You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. We are going to jump in because we do not have a lot of time and we have a lot of stuff to cover. Today is our second day in the Unified series. Um, as we walk through the book of Ephesians together as a, as a university. If you missed Monday, our Wednesday's chapel, I encourage you to go back and listen to Dr. Brian Shelton as he covered Ephesians chapter one. And he talked about before the creation, God was great and in him so are we. And the world was calm and through our sin entered the world chaos. Now, none of us have to imagine what that world's like because we live in it. But in Christ, even in the midst of chaos, we are conquerors. What a good word, right? In the midst of the chaos of 2020, in the midst of chaos that will come in our lives, in Christ, we are conquerors. That is some good news for this morning. So if you didn't get a chance, go back and listen to Wednesday and keep tuning in on Air 90 or on your TV as we walk through the next four chapels, walking through our Unified series, each chapter of the book of Ephesians. So this morning we're going to cover Ephesians chapter 2. So if you want to get out your Bibles, go ahead and have your notebook ready. We're going to jump in. And this morning, um, I stand before you humbly as a member of the Asbury community or, as we call it, the Asbury family. But most importantly, I stand before you as a member of God's family, his church. And this morning, my message is for our family. Now, as an Asbury family, uh, we have some quirks, right? We have some beautiful moments in our history and in our present time. We have our family traditions, and yes, we have our family dysfunction. I'm third generation Asburyan. I, there's never been a part in my life when I did not know about Asbury. My mom says that as a kid, I would put on my dad's Asbury t-shirt and run around the house declaring, I can't wait to go to Raspberry College. So I stand before you this morning as a member of the Asbury family, with a message for our house, as one member of the family to another. We have some things to talk about this morning. My prayer is that our Asbury family, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our hearts and our minds. That's our purpose of chapel, that our family would be healthy, whole, unified, honoring, and holy. That our true identity would not be that as an Asburian, but as a follower of Christ. That we would all be members of God's family, his holy church, all around the world. And to be honest with you, I see this happening in pockets across campus. I see places where we are alive and well. But when I look at our family as a whole, I see places that are unhealthy, where we are not unified, and where we are unholy. And my guess is that if I can see them, so do you. 
You see, we have walls in our family. We have walls in our family, and we have a choice in this. We can choose to let the walls in our family continue, or we can choose to step in and allow Christ to step into our family and tear down the walls, destroy our family. We've allowed walls to form. And our family, we have settled for far less than God ever intended us to live. We want to be known by God. We want to be known by others. This is exactly what Demarion shared in ASC Chapel, being fully known and knowing others. And yet, we have settled for our sin-ridden, wall-divided life as a family. Ephesians 2, we find our unified verses Ephesians 2, verses 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing walls of hostility. Let me read that again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who brought the two groups together as one, who tore down, who destroyed the barriers and tore down the walls of hostility. So family, this morning, can we acknowledge our walls? But hear me when I say this, acknowledgement is the first step, but it's not where we end. Anyone can acknowledge our walls. But we must take time to lament the reality of the wounds, the hurts, and the sins that have have been caused by our walls of hostility. We need to confess and repent, which means turn away from the sin that allowed these walls to form and allowed these walls to continue. We have the opportunity to choose to receive grace and forgiveness in Christ. And through that place of being forgiven and filled with grace and reconciled to God, guess what? We get to then turn around and extend that grace and forgiveness to others. What a beautiful, what a beautiful morning we get to have together as we talk about this. And I know I'm passionate about this but it's because I love you too much. I love you too much to allow these walls and others to go unnoticed and untalked about in our family. Because these walls do not have to exist. There's something rotten in our house and I'm tired of smelling it. It's the stench of death. And it happens as you and I allow sin to come in and destroy our relationship with God and others. It happens when you and I decide that I am better than fill in the blank. It happens corporately as we put people in boxes, as we allow prejudice to creep in, as we stereotype and judge people by their race, their gender, their residence hall, their major, their athletic team, and on and on it goes. I have witnessed the ways that we've hurt one another and wounded one another by our walls. 
and it doesn't have to be that way. Over the last few weeks, I've asked several students these two questions. One, what are the dividing walls that stand between me and a right relationship with God? And number two, what are the walls that stand between me and other members of our Asbury family? These are all Asbury students. These are our answers. What stands in the way between me and my relationship with God? Perfectionism, fear, sexual sins, guilt, lies, busyness, worry, a lack of vulnerability with God and others, shame, and pride. These were your answers. I wonder if any of those would resonate with you. What stands in the way between you and a right relationship with God? When I ask students, what stands in the way between you and other members of our Asbury family? Men versus women, major versus major, racial tension, political tension, left versus right, international students versus majority students, religious differences, athletes versus non-athletes, our sexuality, upperclassmen versus underclassmen, residential students versus commuter students. What are the walls of hostility in our campus? This is what you told me. And when I write athletes versus non-athletes, listen, I didn't write verses, you did. Us versus them. There are walls in our family. And I guess the question is, what do we want to do with them? Christ came to tear down the walls of hostility by the power of the cross. These walls, these walls can come tumbling down. These walls do not have to exist in your life or in our family. So what do you want to do with our walls? What do you want to do with your walls? So what's the answer? Where do we go from here? I'm so glad you asked. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the desires and cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of death. If you're taking notes, number one, we must acknowledge that we are dead in our sin. Now remember, acknowledgement is a place that we start, but it's not where we end. Because of sin in Ephesians 3, Adam, because of the sin of Adam in Genesis 3, we are born with a nature of sin within us. This nature of sin within us means that we are separated from God from the very beginning. And in this separation from God, we are dead in our sin nature, but we are also active, participate, are active participants in our own sinful choices when we satisfy the cravings of the flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Each one of us in this sin-dead boat, all of us doing what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it, gratifying our own desires, all of us at one time, separated from Christ, alive, yet dead. Picture the movie title of our life, Dead Man Walking, Dead Woman Walking. 
We feel this ache, don't we? We are really aware of the fact that we are alive yet dead, even before we could ever articulate it or acknowledge it in our life. We know we are alive, and yet we are also very aware of the stench of death within us. We don't want to give in to our sinful choices, yet time and time again we find ourselves going back to our old sins, our old habits, our old hang-ups. We resonate with what Paul writes, not his own testimony, but what he writes in Romans 7 when he says, why do I do the things that I don't want to do and the things that I want to do I don't do? Have you ever felt like that? And we feel like we're somehow destined to live this life as a dead man walking or as a dead woman walking. Now, I know this is a great message, right? We're talking about walls. Jeannie, you're telling me we're dead. Where's the hope? I'm so glad you asked. Let's keep going. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God who made us alive, made, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, which is sin, even when we were dead in our sin, it is by grace you were saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. This is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Can I get an amen? Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Like, that's the good news. Like, this is the good news of the gospel. It is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not on works on your own, but as a gift from God. If you're taking notes, number two, you don't have to stay dead. You don't have to be dead. You can be made fully alive in Christ. God, in his great mercy, sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world to be God with us. Jesus, both fully human and fully God. He walked this earth proclaiming the good news that those who were far away had been brought near in him. He was tempted in every way like we are. He suffered as we do, and yet he was without sin. Jesus, without sin, chose to be our sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb on the cross, once and for all, redeeming our sin and allowing us to be in right relationship, reconciled to God. He died on the cross, and on the third day, he rose from the dead, defeating death, sin, and the enemy, once and for all, once and for all, so that we can be fully alive, in right relationship with God, reconciled, redeemed, and fully restored. I'll picture Dr. Chris Bounds, freshman, you don't know him, but picture Dr. Bounds when I say this. Christ set us free from the guilt, the power, and the nature of sin to empower us to love God, to love others, and to walk in obedience. Christ came to set us free from the sin, the guilt, the nature, and the power of sin and to empower us to love God, to love others, and to walk in obedience. Free and empowered. 
But those are not the first two words that would come to mind when I describe our family. But they can be. They can be. Most of us, however, settle for cheap grace. We pray and ask God to forgive us, and we get up from the altar moment, and we'll walk right back into our old sin-dead life. We buy into the lie, well, I can do whatever I want to, because as long as I ask God to forgive me, he has to anyway. That's that old sin-dead, half-alive life. I think it was Pastor Steve Deneff who once said, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And mercy is God withholding what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. From start to finish, from beginning to end, saving is all God's idea. It's his grace that even draws us to the place that we are able to receive the grace of salvation. It's grace upon grace, prevenient grace, God's grace at work in us before we were even created, wooing us to be able to even accept God's grace through Christ Jesus. And yet most of us, we choose to eat at the gas station of cheap grace, feeding off the lies of the enemy with our soul, shame, soul-ridden soul, perfecting our performance-based Christianity. When Christ came to invite you to feast at the banquet table of grace, Stop eating at the gas station when God has invited you to feast at the banquet table of grace, being fully alive, forgiven, free, whole, and holy. Number three, God's grace is a gift, but we have to choose to receive it. Salvation is both God's giving, but it's also us choosing to receive it. It's a decision and a choice that each one of us must make individually. The choice is ours for the choosing. It's not faith based on your parents, your grandparents, me, one another. This is a choice you must make. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, we learn that faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. We have not seen yet God, yet we hope we put our faith in the truth of God's word, his character and his nature, and that Christ has completed for us once and for all on the cross. We choose to accept his forgiveness for our sins by faith. However, I think some of our problem with choosing to receive the gift that God has given us in grace is that we have a problem of receiving gifts from one another. If we can't receive from one another, how then can we ever receive from God? We get a gift and we're like, what, what are the strings attached to, to this? What do, what do I need to do? Why this gift? Why now? Why me? We begin to think of ways that we can make up the debt and repay it so that I'm not indebted to this gift giver. And that's just it. The gift of grace through faith in Christ is a gift we can never repay. We do not earn it. We do not deserve it. You can cue Corey Asbury's reckless love right here. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And yet he gives himself away. We will never be able to repay the gift of grace through Christ Jesus. We are an indebted people. 
And when it comes to choosing the love and grace of Christ, I would be remiss to not acknowledge that some of us in this room have a hard time choosing God's love and grace because we do not view God as loving, graceful, or kind. And I get it. I've been there. I too have asked the question, well, God, if you're so loving, then why did you allow this to happen in my life? God, if you're so merciful and just, then where is my mercy and where is my justice? We have a hard time viewing God as loving and kind and just. And I can assure you this, the way we are living today is not in God's original design. And God is so loving and kind that he created us with free will and he will not override our choice. Even when our choices hurt, damage, wound one another. This is not God's original design. And when, we, when you are hurt, when you are wounded, when you experience injustice, let me assure you of this. It does not go unnoticed or unknown by our God. We serve a God who sees us, who hears us, who knows us, and who is responding to us. He is for us. He is not against us. He is full of love and his rich in mercy towards us. And his desire is to show you the incomparable riches of his kindness expressed to us in Christ Jesus. And listen closely. Just because you do not feel God's goodness, mercy, kindness, or love does not mean that God is not good, kind, merciful, and loving. Our feelings do not dictate our faith. Let me say that again for the people in the back. Our feelings do not dictate our faith. And our feelings do not dictate to us God's character. God's character is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. He is good. He is kind. He is just. He is merciful. He is loving. And he is a God who will respond to you. Number four, once we have been made fully alive, we are raised up and seated with God in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God rich in mercy and love, we can't say that enough, God rich in mercy and love took our sin-dead lives, raised us up, made us fully alive, and then he set us down. (laughs) And not just in any seat but seated in the heavenly realms with God in Christ Jesus. We have been justified. It's just as if my sin no longer exists because Christ stands before God and I with his nail-pierced hands. I'm justified. The verdict that once read guilty before God is now declared not guilty. Not guilty. And I am able to sit with, Christ, sit with God in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We get to learn how to be made fully alive by taking a seat. And this is an uncomfortable, unnatural position for us because most of us are better human doings than human beings. And God is inviting us to take a seat. Watchman Nee in his book, Sit, Walk, Stand, says it this way. 
There is no limit to the grace God is willing to bestow upon us. He will give us everything, but we can receive none of it except as if we, as we rest in him. Sitting is an attitude of rest. Something has been finished, work stops, and we sit. To sit down is simply to rest our whole weight, our load, ourselves, our future, everything upon the Lord. We let him bear the responsibility and cease to carry it ourselves. Now think about this for a moment. You, seated with God and Jesus, allowing him to carry the weight of your past, allowing them to carry the reality of your present, and allowing them to carry the reality of the uncertainty, uncertainty of your future. It's in this place of sitting with God and Jesus that all of our striving ceases to exist. And maybe for the first time, you take a deep breath. It's from this place of sitting that we are able to truly know the character and nature of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's from this place of sitting with God and Jesus that we are able to know our true identity as a beloved son and daughter. It's from this place that our heart begins to sink with God and Jesus, and we are able then to get up and walk into relationships with others with the heartbeat of God and Christ in us. It's this place of sitting that allows us to walk out our faith. Now, I know what you're thinking, Didi. What, what, what does all of this have to do with the walls? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Remember in the beginning, acknowledgement is the first place that we begin, but it's not where we end. If we do not acknowledge our sin-dead condition and our sin-dead nature, there's no shot these walls are coming down. No shot. Because these walls are a result of our sin-dead condition. They're a result of the sin that we allow to continue to work in our life. We cannot tear down these walls on our own. And I bet you're like me. You sure have tried. We must acknowledge our sin debt condition, but we also need to receive his grace. We put our, our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and allow him to step into our sin debt condition. We receive the grace that he has given us and we are reconciled to God. We are reconciled to God. And Christ steps in with the power of the cross. And he takes care on the cross. Our sin dead. Guilt. Power. And nature of sin. This is the power of the cross in our lives. Getting rid of the guilt power and the nature of sin. Christ in us, getting rid of the guilt, the power, and the nature of sin. Empowering us now, empowering us to love God. And now we can be reconciled with one another. The power of the cross enables us to love one another. No more us versus them. No more us versus them.
That's the power of the cross. Christ coming to set us free from the guilt, the power, and the nature of sin. And empowering us to love others, love God, and walk in obedience. These walls do not have to exist. They do not have to exist within our family. They do not have to exist within our family. Christ, through his cross, put to, put to death our hostility. And now with our walls destroyed, number five, God's purpose is to create in Christ one new humanity, the church. He didn't just destroy the walls for the sake of destroying walls. He wants to build us back up in him. Ephesians 2.19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God, people, God's people, and also members of his household. This is family language. This is our truest identity. Here, God builds new walls, not walls of hostility, but walls. You and me built together the church, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Christ bearing all the weight, all of this rest on him. All of this rest on him. He is our cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, us, y'all, me and you, all of us who put our faith in Jesus are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. The family of God is not complete without you. Your life is an integral part of the church and the building that God is building, not with walls, but with people. You and me. And the world is desperately crying out, looking and searching for people who do not have walls of hostility within them. And the world is crying out, desperately looking for people who are able to live unified with one another. Turn on the TV. Everyone is searching for this kind of person. And guess what? It's found in us through Christ. We are the answer. The church is the answer the world is searching for. And the church is Christ and you coming together with the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. This is the work that we are called to do. And as the band comes, and we're going to close, I promise. I wonder this morning if God hasn't been revealing to some of you, identifying your walls, the walls in your life, maybe the walls of hostility between you and someone else in this room. Can I just say the good news is that Christ came to destroy the walls of hostility in your life so that you can be fully reconciled to God and fully reconciled to one another. The walls in your life do not have to exist. The walls in our family do not have to exist. They are only there as long as we choose for them to be there. I wonder if God is revealing and identifying some of your walls. For others, you may be have living off of a diet of cheap grace. And God is inviting you to the banquet table to feast on his grace. You can be set free and you can be made fully alive. Don't settle for cheap grace. 
And for others, you may be exhausted. You've been trying and striving with your perfectionism to earn God's grace. And none of your performance and your trying and your striving seems to be enough. And it never will be. It never will be. And Christ wants to set you in the heavenly realms with God and have you take a seat. And my friend, may you rest in him. May you know the fullness of the character and nature of God. From your place of sitting with God, may you truly understand your belovedness in Christ. And from that place, in that place only, may you then get up and walk out your faith. Maybe some of you need to take a seat today.